Welcome to worship on this Lord's Day, on this beautiful summer morning. We are so glad you are gathering with us, whether you are in the Chicagoland area or other places around the country. It's difficult to do worship online. We have our computer in front of us, we're not with other people. So we invite you to do what we can to make this service as participatory and multi-sensory as possible. So for example, if you have a candle you could light or an icon you could put out, if you could light incense or put a bowl of water on a table near you, those would be ways to participate. Also to, to the best you can to make the gestures, the sign of the cross on our bodies, to bow as we might in church, to say and sing the responses so that you can feel that you are participating as well as part of the community. And in terms of that, this is the moment we, where we invite you to turn on your cameras so that we can see one another as you scroll through the Zoom, for those of you on Zoom, and wave good morning to one another as we see and greet one another. Please know that whether you have been coming to Holy Trinity for years or you've never been in our building, whether you're on Zoom or Facebook, whatever you think of church or organized religion, that our welcome is unconditional, as is God's grace. And we hope that you will join us as we serve the world that God has made and creation as well, as we work to dismantle racism, as we serve the least of our siblings, and we together are the body of Christ in the world, as Paul reminds us in Romans these weeks. We continue and we begin our worship now with the gathering hymn.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And, and also, also with you. Let us pray. God, with all the faithful followers of every age, we praise you, the rock of our life. Be our strong foundation and form us in the, into the body of your Son, that we may gladly minister to all the world through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. A reading from Exodus. Now a new king arose over Egypt, who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set up taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pitham and Ramesses, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Sipra and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all of his people, every boy that is born to the Hebrews, you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. While her she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. 
He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse it for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and she took him in as her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. been on our side, let Israel now sing. If the Lord had not been on our side, when enemies rose up against us, then would they have swallowed us up alive in their fierce anger toward us? Then would the have overwhelmed us and the torrent gone over us. Then would the raging waters have gone right over us. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us over to be a prey for their teeth. Escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. From Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, sisters, and siblings, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many parts, and not all the parts have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are parts one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence 
the compassionate in cheerfulness. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. According to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the dominion of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then Jesus sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Today we heard the remar remarkable beginnings of the Exodus story, and what a beautiful story of resistant women, Shifra and Pua, who kick it all off. You know, as I read our text early this week, I mused, if only the women of this story could tell it for themselves, now that, that would be a good story. So then I thought, well, you could rewrite this text from their perspective. But then I checked myself because it would kind of defeat the purpose for me, a, a man, to rewrite these women's story for them. So luckily, at my Bible study on Wednesday morning, my fabulous colleague, Reverend Stacy Allen from Brent House Episcopal Campus Ministry at the University of Chicago, she said to me, you know, I think I had preached a sermon some time ago where I used the perspective of Pua. Let me see if I can dig that up for you. And surely she had. Back in 2014, she had rewrote this story from the perspective of Pua. And with Stacy's permission, I share her story with you today. There were always rumors coming from Pharaoh's palace, rumors of a Hebrew among his grandchildren, which proves the point that I've always made. People have always said they can tell the difference between a true Egyptian and one of the Hebrews. Something in the texture of the hair or the way they walk or a certain tone in their speech. Something that proved that they were untrustworthy, dangerous, not one of us. When I was attending their women in labor, however, there was no difference. 
moans were just as guttural. Their legs trembled in the same way as they began to push. The heads of their babies were just as damp and misshapen as any of my own people. So it didn't surprise me in the least that one of their children could pass undetected in the Pharaoh's palace. They did have a slight strangeness about them though, those Hebrews, just not in their appearance, nor in their language. They had odd stories, tales of the time before they had come to live here. They told stories of a solitary God, one who had no consort, one who appeared to their patriarchs and made outlandish promises about a land far away and descendants as numerous as the stars. I can't remember a time when the Hebrews weren't our builders, our maids, our field hands. But when I was small, my grandmother would tell stories of their forefather, Joseph, the Pharaoh's vizier, who saved us all from famine, and of his brothers, who came and settled here with him. But that was a long time ago, and the Hebrews made themselves at home. When I was younger, I had attended the births with my mother, but it wasn't until after my own children were grown that I began to be called on my own. It was a good living after my husband died. Shifra and I both lived right on the border between our people and the areas where the Hebrews lived. So between us, we attended nearly all of the Hebrew births. We had seen our share of blood, both the kind that accompanies new life and the kind that overflows to death. And we had climbed down from the roof or come in from the garden birthing tent with bad news to more than one father and husband sitting somehow both tense and limp in his house. As busy as we were, it was hard to ignore the growing differences between the Hebrews and our own people. Even our poor managed to have a room for each family in their house and food to offer the laboring mother. But among the Hebrews, the lines of fatigue deepened around their eyes and the quarters where they were more and more cramped in as they tried to find room for one or more family in a tiny dwelling. And they often had not much more than barley water to offer the exhausted mother. And more and more my neighbors would look at me suspiciously as I returned at dawn from a birth in the Hebrew quarter. More and more I would hear about those people Fear was growing, and the old stories of Joseph evoked the specter of famine. But those stories reminded us that it was Joseph who imposed the one-fifth tax on all we produce. And in an odd human way, the story of his people turned from thankfulness to distrust and suspicion. There were whispers of plots and uprisings. How, I wondered, how were the Hebrews to plot against us when I saw their men day after day rising bleary-eyed and trudging toward their quarries or brickworks or their construction sites and returning feet dragging only to eat a meager supper 
and fall into bed. I was just returning from the birth of my cousin's granddaughter, the midday sun blazing to find Shifra waiting at my door. A messenger said, she has come to her house telling her that she and I have been summoned to the court. I was dubious. No one from the courts has ever walked down our street, much less spoken to any of us. Unless some plague killed more than the normal number of babies, no one paid much attention to Shifra and me. What we didn't even have, we didn't even have, what we didn't even have its own name. We were simply the aunties, consulted for fertility, pregnancy, and birth, not consulted for much else. So I changed out of my blood-stained garments, splashed water on my face, quickly ate some bread and dates, and Shifra and I made our way to the palace. When we reached the gate of the courts, the guard looked, us, looked at us disdainfully until we told him our names. His eyes widened and we were ushered in without another word. After being led through courtyards and down corridors, there he was, seated in a gilded, cha a gilded chair, an expression of tedium on his face as he looked up from maps and diagrams scattered on the table in front of him. He motioned for the others to move away, leaving only one man standing attentively at his right shoulder. Ah, you've come, he said, impatiently motioning us to rise from our knees. You attend the births of Hebrews, he continued, a statement rather than a question. He paused for a moment. I need your help with this Hebrew problem. Our eyes still on the ground as was proper. We waited for him to continue. There are too many of them. They need to be controlled. When you attend their births, when you see the child is a boy, you will take care of him. If it is a girl, leave them alone. Take care of them, I stammered unable to keep from speaking, although it was strictly prohibited to speak out of turn to the Pharaoh. He sighed impatiently. Kill them, he said. Kill the boys. But I want you to make it look like a stillbirth. If the baby is already born when you get there, do nothing. No one is to know. I don't want riots. Shifra and I stood silent, unable to comprehend what we had just heard. We were to do what? Choke them? Break their necks? Smother them? The horror of it washed over me. I had already seen plenty of children die in that hazardous journey to birth. Even more amid the poverty of the Hebrews. How could I cause more? Pharaoh, being Pharaoh, expected no answer from us, merely obedience. He had already turned back to the building plans before him. Shifra and I walked slowly back, taking by silent agreement the longer route home. Through the Hebrew neighborhoods, some of the women, women whose children we had helped to birth, women whose lives we had saved, greeted us as we went. I knew they were not like us. That's what I'd always been taught. Yet I also knew the lie of it. 
These women were strong and tenacious, wanting what any mother wants for her children, a safe entry into the world, food, shelter, good work, and a chance to bear children of their own. Suddenly, I laughed. I turned to Shifra and said, if Pharaoh thinks that the problem of too many Hebrews is because of the men, he doesn't know women very well, does he? Shifra stared at me, confused, for a moment. And then she, too, laughed. Here ends today's story, but alas, it is only the beginning. Through these subversive, joyous, rebellious Shifra and Pua, this is who God begins to make a way out of no way with. And as we will continue to see in the coming weeks, it is these courageous women of resistance that set in motion the exodus. Amen. Thanks be to God.
Thank you for gathering with us on this Lord's Day as we celebrate the presence of God among us and in the Word of God. Our forums during the next eight or so weeks, both on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday mornings, will be exploring the book of Exodus that we will be reading as our first lesson each week. On Sundays for our small bites, which will begin 15 minutes after the end of the service, we will have a chance to look just a little bit more in depth at the birth story of Moses and the five women of resistance to respond a little bit to the sermon and hear Pastor Ben say a few more things about it as well. So we hope you can join us both for our online virtual coffee hour social time right after the worship and then 15 minutes later for our discussion of Exodus, our liberation story. You will also notice something new that we're offering. Part of the Lakeview Lutheran Parish, the four congregations together, Thursday noon, you are welcome to join members of other congregations in studying, exploring, and talking about lessons for the upcoming Sunday. So please, there's information online about that in the Zoom link as well. Then we know that some of you are new to our community because you're with us on Zoom or online around the country and others have found us in other ways. And we would love to find out more about you to let you talk to us a little bit more as we explore what ministry will look like in this new pandemic age, a combination of virtual in-person worship. So there will be an orientation conversation on Monday, August 31st at seven o'clock p.m. We invite you to email our administrator, Bo, in the church office if you can attend. This might be an opportunity for some of you that are affiliated with another denomination or another congregation, but are joining us for worship as well, and how you could become associate members of our community, and we would love to make that happen. So please note that a week from tomorrow. As we look to the month of September and communion, more information will be coming out this week, but please note that two weeks from today, that would be Labor Day weekend, we will be celebrating again communion online. And then during the month of September, there will be two Sunday mornings between 11.15 and 11.45, and one Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. outside, if it's not still too cold in September, where we will have uh, 12 to 15 people um, that we will welcome for communion, and there'll be a way to sign up for that. So look for more information. Finally, as always, we thank you for your offerings, for your support of our ministry as our church is still open, and we are in a strong financial position due to your generosity and the ways that Holy Trinity continues to be a vibrant congregation. You'll notice um, on the screen ways to support the Loose Offering Fund, organizations like um, Lighthouse Church, One North Side, Lakeview Pantry, and others. And also to let you know that if you're able, uh, to, there's the opportunity to support the Albino Moan Social Justice Fund to help people in particular need. And now it is a special delight for me to introduce, reintroduce to you Sarah Prolak, who was a ministry in context seminarian student with us, primarily at HT Loop one year ago, and she has some brief remarks, and then we will hear a song that she composed. Sarah. Good morning, everybody. It's so nice to be here and worship with you again. As Pastor Craig just said, I am uh, a former ministry and context seminarian, 
and I'm now on internship in Naples, Florida, and I'm so happy to be here with you. Um, so last semester, um, all of the seminarians did projects, ministry projects, and my spring project was to write an offertory song using some of the words and stories that I collected from the Holy Trinity community. And that whole story gathering process started at the end of February with a conversation during a forum at the Loop that some of you attended. And I asked them what questions I should be asking. And I put those questions up on posters and hung them up around the reception space for people to write on. And I made a Google form. And when we went online, almost immediately after the project started, um, I posted the questions in the Holy Trinity Community Facebook group for all of you to participate in. And so once I had a plethora of responses, and I did have a plethora of them, I read through them all and let them simmer and let them rest. And I compiled them all onto a single page of paper and I actually have it with me. These are all of your responses all in one place and I looked through all of these responses and looked to find recurring themes and experiences that you were expressing and it was next to impossible to find words that would fully encompass everything that you shared but the thread that connected all of them was God's presence in our lives. And so that became the central focus of the song, God is here. And from there, I narrowed it down to a few different spaces um, that you shared where you're especially aware of God's presence around you. And those spaces became the verses. And so there's a verse for the city for Chicago, the people here. God is present in the city. God is present in nature. There were a lot of really specific examples that people shared about places in nature where they feel close to God. And God is present in life passages and in community. You shared stories of weddings and baptisms, of moving and transitions, of funerals and the way that the family of God holds us through all of these things. And of course, God is present in Holy Communion. God is here. God is here all around us and has given us all of these things. And we are called into the world to share God's abundance with others. And so I am so, so excited to finally <laughs> share this song with you today. And since we aren't able to sing it together in person, I recorded it for you. And I hope that you are able to hear some of your own stories reflected in this song. And thank you for sharing them with me and for letting me write a song that lifts all of these things up to God.
streets of the city when crowded and busy or quiet and still in the snow. The faces we pass bear God's image, divine holy moments wherever we go. God is here, God is here, God is here all around us with feet on the ground and calls to us now. God is here, God is here, and we lift our voices to sing of God's love we know. that's crawling on stone. Breeze through the forest, spring buds start to open new growth, rising up from the ground. God is here, God is here, God is here all around us with feet on the ground and calls to us now. God is here, God is here, sing of God's love we know God is here God is here in greetings and goodbyes in laughter and weeping community shows us the way sunrises sunsets remind us we're never too far from a brand new day God is here God is here, God is here, all around us with feet on the ground and calls to us now. God is here, God is here, and we lift all our voices to sing of God's love. We know God is here, God is here. Here at this table we together to taste and to see what's to come here at this table we bring all our sorrows and joys all our deaths come home god is here god is here god is here all around us with feet on the ground and calls to us now god is here god is here together in one body by the Spirit of Christ, let us pray for the church and the world. Bless the church 
that despite the hardships experienced during this pandemic, Christians around the globe will stand firm on the rock who is Christ. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Bless the earth, that it be saved from ecological harm. Restore all lands and seas to the beauty and vigor that you intend. We pray for those suffering the effects of wildfires, destructive summer storms, and scorching heat. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Bless the leaders of nations, that they govern their people with integrity and attend to the needs of the poor. Inspire our political parties to conduct the election season with honesty and respect for all. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Bless our various means of communication, our phones, the internet, our postal service, and delivery businesses, that our communities be sustained for a fruitful life together. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Bless all who are in need, all who have tested positive for the virus, the sick and the dying. We pray for the unemployed, for medical workers, for those seeking a vaccine, for those who are overwhelmed with anxiety about the future. We pray especially for those we name in the chat or by unmuting. Amen, Steve. Paul. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. We pray, praise you for the lives of all your faithful people, especially Blessed Mary and those we commemorate this week. Bartholomew, Augustine, and Moses the Black. Bring us at the end, we pray, into the joy and gladness of life together in you. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. In the certain hope that nothing can separate us from your love, we offer these prayers to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Trusting in God's tender, motherly care, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.
as you depart, remember the mission of this congregation. Act with courage, be radically inclusive, cultivate empowering relationships, delight in God's beauty, engage with intention. In the name of Christ, let us go in peace. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Before we depart, I invite you, if you're on Zoom, to put that on gallery view once more. And a few of you may want to unmute yourself so that we can see and hear the community for this important gesture of peace. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also, and also, with, you. also, also with you. Peace. God's peace. God's peace. Peace, peace, peace be with all of you. God's peace. peace. God's peace be with you. Peace, everyone. Peace be with you. Peace. Well, it is so good to see everyone.